Hey, thanks for tuning into The Scoop. I hope you and your family are safe during these unprecedented times. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a minute to give a shout out to our sponsor. If you're building in the blockchain space, then I want you to know about a company called Blockset. I've been speaking with their team closely, and I have no doubt that they are going to enable the next wave of developers and business leaders to build amazing applications. Blockset offers accessible data from all the major chains through easy to use API. It acts as your hosted blockchain infrastructure. It ultimately enables high quality apps to be built at a fraction of the cost at a fraction of the time. Go sign up for a free account at blockset.com and start building today. Stay tuned for more information later in the episode. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in What to what is a very special episode of The Scoop. It's a late edition of The Scoop. I feel like we need to have some late night radio, typical jockey music to get this thing going. I feel, I feel relaxed. I hope our guests are. The guest we have tonight is a very special guest. He goes by many different names. You might know him as Ramp Exotic or ramp capitulation, but you probably know him by ramp capital, but we actually don't know his real name, right? We don't know his real name. It's the Fintwit famous ramp capital. We're excited to have him on the show, a pioneer of the Fintwit world, the finance Twitter world joining us in 2013. Really a must follow during this crisis, especially for me. I mean, when we're looking at the headlines, when we're looking at the financial data coming in, it's depressing. It really can be sometimes. But when you see a joke about Tiger King and about Joe Biden being senile and about (laughs) the one he had five hours ago about making a trade that would cover three meals, I mean, it's important, I think, during these times. I notice, Ramp, you have revamped your blog. You're tweeting a lot these days. Walk us through what's the latest with you. We're excited to have you on The Scoop. We're excited to chat with you. Many of our listeners are going to know what you're all about, but talk to us about what's the latest. I mean, what's it like to sort of be in your position as a FinTwit CFO in the midst of this coronavirus financial economic crisis? Appreciate you having me on. Um, we can talk about the blog a little bit. Yeah, I, I kicked off the blog last year uh, again and kind of just wanted to get some more thoughts on paper, if you will, a little bit more than 280 characters. So I felt like I had some things to talk about and trying to just expand you know, my writing skills a little bit. So that was kind of the main reason of restarting it last year. I think I started actually, I think it's been a year now, actually. I got to go back and look and see if I had a year. I was for a while, I was pretty consistent on, on blogging, but like, even in this last four or five weeks or so, I have not been writing. I have not been reading besides Twitter. Obviously I made, even made that joke recently too. It's like all the books that I've read, you know, during quarantine and and all it's been is honestly, it's been Twitter. It's thrown me off so much this time that it's just, I think a a lot of other people too are kind of feeling similar. It's just like, I, I almost put out a tweet just trying to ask what has changed most for you besides, you know, just like your normal daily routine, you know, and, I haven't been listening to podcasts because I usually listen to them, you know, as I'm, as I'm commuting. Yeah. It's just a strange time, you know, right now too, I'm also um, 
So the blog was kind of last year. It's still this year. I just haven't been blogging as much. Kind of my newer idea for 2020 was the WeRamp. And I don't know if you've been following that or not, but essentially what I did was set up a crowdsource portfolio um, that's run solely through Twitter, through Twitter polls to be exact. So every week I run a Twitter poll and I've been kind of, I've been kind of playing with it just to see what, what I think works better. And, and honestly, just, just taking as much feedback as I can from emails and followers and, and tweets and everything. I just kind of listen to the people because it's kind of the whole point of it is the people's portfolio. And uh, it, you know, it's interesting because it, it started out really well, you know, within what was it probably six or seven weeks, I was like halfway through as we're at week 15 now, but about seven or eight weeks, I think I was up 10% and outperforming the market there for a while. And then obviously the train went off the track there a little bit, <laughs> but um, at least the train didn't go into cash, right? Yeah. Some people were like, oh, you need to start shorting and you need to this, which I'm still leaving open. I just, obviously I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's too late for it at this point, but I'm just trying to make it fun. And you know, it's, I, I've gotten a lot of good feedback and honestly it's too, it's, I think it's helped me because what I've kind of done is transition my blog into a weekly newsletter where I do a recap of essentially what I'm doing is I'm holding five stocks at a time and every week it kind of cycles back through. And then that it's it called the legacy stock or the, of, of the portfolio. It'll get reboted back in to go against three other stocks every week. And so like this, I'll, I'll put out another poll tomorrow morning, but um, I think this week is Johnson and Johnson, but it, it's interesting. I don't know. I, somebody, somebody had already kind of done it through, through Twitch, but I kind of like to take ideas and, and just think of them in, like in a vacuum. I do the same thing with like tweets and stuff like that. Like I might see inspirations, but usually I like to just kind of take a step back, don't get any outside influence and just like, if I was going to do this, how would I do it? Yeah. And I had a lot of conversations with a lot of other people and uh, even one of my friends right now who's launched a couple ETFs, he's he's been reaching out to me because he's considering launching WeRamp as an ETN. I'm like, uh, I don't know, but we should probably talk about that first. <laughs> Because even even whenever I wrote the very I, I released the blog post explainer for WeRamp on January first, and literally at the very bottom of it, I put this is probably the top. So that now everyone you know now everyone who was like, well, everything was going great until you launched this. I was like, well, you, you, sh- you didn't read the prospectus, obviously. Yeah, and I'm still waiting on the white paper for that. Um, <laughs> clearly, the 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 most interesting thing about what you're doing is how fast you're moving. Right. And the sense I get is if we ramp works, we're going to move forward with that. Maybe we get an ETN out of that. Or if it's, you know, the blog will continue with that, but you're clearly just completely at the center of this market. Right. The interesting thing is you didn't, you didn't start out from a financial services background. You were talking about before the mics came on, how you're an engineer by trade. How did you find yourself to where you are now? I mean, early on 2013, starting this account, you probably didn't anticipate what it would be. The fact that people would be reaching out to you about starting these (laughs) financial derivative products on just a meme in a sense that you created. How did you get here? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Sometimes I ask myself that too. <laughs> it's just you kind of look at where we came from. And I'm like, this series of fortunate events kind of got got me in in this account where it is today. And you know, I I'm just having fun with it too. I think that's how it started. And 
I think there was something missing in finance. Like, like you said, I, I come from an engineering background. So to me, the math part of the, you know, there's, there's some overlap between the two. I think that's kind of what attracted me to it in the beginning. And then there was also just this kind of gambling aspect to it as well that just kept suckering me back in. I kind of feel like Portnoy right now at this point, you know, where he, <laughs> that first, like you get into it and you're like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Like, how does this work? And, and it's increased, right? Like, I feel like that gambling aspect given, and we make fun of Robin hood all the time, not because we don't like them, but because they are, they are pioneers in a sense, but investing, especially in this market, because we have literally nothing else to do has become a, stay at home form of gambling, right? I mean, and that's okay. But click of a few buttons in your PJs, you can you can be investing. <laughs> yeah. I like to make fun of the pajama traders a lot. Um I don't trade futures or do any of that crap. I, I strictly leave it to the cash market to open the close. And I do try to be a little bit more hands off now. I know I've originally had started and it was kind of I was running all my own money and then once I got married I basically told my brother in law, here you go you can run this now. And then I still kind of run a couple accounts um, just to keep that, you know, just keep giving me a little taste of it. So I actually wrote a blog post about that too, is, you know, some of these newer investors, they, they think they have to go all in on everything and just like do these YOLO bets. And I'm like, you don't have to do that to just to get a taste of it. You just, so I like what I do is, and I don't know what the percentage is now, but maybe five, five to 10%, maybe somewhere around there is, is I kind of run that, that's my own money. And then the rest of it is mostly in passive investments. So yeah, it's just, it can be dangerous. So if you're sitting there at a computer all day and there's nothing else to do. <laughs> do you think that speaks to some of the engagement and success you've had on that front? Just like how widespread and easy it is now to quote unquote invest through whatever platform you want these days? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that that's part of it. I, I definitely pulled, I pulled some data. So like looking at some of the analytics on my account, one thing I've noticed that's very strange is how my account followers basically track with bear markets. Um, it's very odd. I, I should probably do a post about it. And it's just the increased engagement. So it kind of goes back to the old saying, like the higher the VIX, uh, the higher the clicks. And Or the more that it bleeds, the more that it leads. Yeah, the leads, right. <laughs> it, it's true though. It's true. And it's just like, you know, I sit there and I'll put on this persona of like, I'm freaking out, like close the markets, all this crap. It's like, in reality, I'm sitting there like just laughing, like smiling, like, okay, you know, I'm sitting there in, in mutual funds and some other boring shit. Like, what am I supposed to do here? So it's, you know, most of it's just an act, try to keep people, you know, let's just calm down everybody, even though I kind of egg it on sometimes. I do think though that, you know, having access to like the Robin Hoods and, and the Wall Street bets type of stuff I know my stuff gets on there sometimes too. So then people see it and they'll laugh about it and do whatever. But, you know, and there's also just, there's a younger crowd that are coming in, but I think a lot of people too, with finance the way it is, because it's money, it's, it's supposed to be the serious thing. You know, you can't make jokes about it. You can't do it. And so then like, that's how it kind of started too, is just like, well, who says you can't just like joke around about this stuff all the time, you know? And like, oh, I just blew up an account because I did something really stupid. Some, some people might find that funny. And so that I, I think that kind of drives some of the traffic is just people needing an outlet from just the boring, here's a, here's a fundamental analysis on XYZ company versus here's kind of a meme that I can kind of create 
in my head that I know multiple other people have thought the same thing or done the same thing. And I think that's what kind of helps me create those things is just, I try to put myself in the mind of like a retail investor. And, and so then that's why I think a lot of the stuff has a lot more engagement is just because it's one of those funny because it's true, you know? But what's funny from my perspective is it's not just the retail trader who's getting enjoyment out of this. Like I remember my beat at Business Insider three years ago was Young Wall Street. And these FinTwit memes resonate so much with folks who are working on the trading floors of bulge bracket banks. They see the things you are trading, not to give away your location, but I think it's well known you're not on the coast. But even still, your memes resonate just as much with someone who might want to poke fun at Wall Street as someone who is in the thick of Wall Street. And the fact that you're doing that from the engineering background you describe, from not necessarily, a lot of people might think that you're working at a bank, right? But you're not. And you're still able to create this content that is so it resonates, right? And so in this context of what's going on with Corona, how do you keep that up? Yeah. So I think I don't want to share too many of my Twitter secrets so that, you know, people take over and, and figure me out. But um, I think one of the things that helps me out is just to stay on top of all the news. And one of the things I do is I don't follow that many people. I think I follow like 250 people on Twitter. And it's a, it's a pretty good mixture. I'll pick and choose and then I'll get some funny things. I'll get some serious things. I'll get some charts and some graphs and whatever else. And I feel like I have a pretty good stream right now where it's, I can sit there and get on it for five minutes every hour and take a look at it. And then just like do a quick like scan, kind of like the matrix coming down and I see it. And then for me, it's like with tweeting too, it's the same concept. And I said this to other people too. It's like, I don't sit there and like, stare at the screen or try to think of things constantly. It's just like, it'll pop in my head and I'll either write it down, like put it in my drafts or, or I'll just tweet it right away. And like with no reservations, just throw it out there because, you know, I don't have to sit there and go through compliance or something like that. But, you know, I think one of the things too that helped me out. So like, that's part of the one thing that kind of helps me out is just calling my stream is just making sure that I don't follow too many people where it's just this waterfall of information. You can't absorb it all. Right. So I think that's key. I think, I think way too many people, either don't understand how to use Twitter properly, either separated by lists or categories or following certain streams of certain people, or maybe they, they follow their friends. This isn't, you know, this isn't Facebook where you follow your friends. This is Twitter. Like you follow to get news, right? I think the other part of this too is just trying to get as much information as possible is I really do read a lot just strictly in finance. I try to mix it up every once in a while and read something outside of it, but I, I do read a lot of finance books. So I think that helps me even though I don't work, you know, like you said, for an investment banker or something like that. Like I do have, I do have exposure to that right now in my current role. So I can kind of see some of that stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes I've said something, it, it probably didn't come off the way it should have. So, you know, I'm not perfect, but. Ramp, would you say you consume the bulk of your information then from Twitter or like what other sources do you use on a daily basis? Yeah, I'd say Twitter um, is is definitely number one. I don't watch CNN. I don't watch CNBC very often. I would like to, but it's just hard. It's hard for me to. To I'm one of those people that too. That's like if I'm doing work, I cannot. I cannot hear background noises. I, I'll put on like classical piano or some weird, some kind of meditation music because I can't. I just cannot focus with people talking. But um, most of my stuff comes from Twitter. But again, that kind of comes goes back to having 
following the right people and making sure you're getting stuff that doesn't just like it's all finance. It's all finance, everything pretty much. I mean, I'll follow like Barstool and a couple other people just to keep it lighthearted. But, but yeah, most of my stuff is coming directly from Twitter, which again, most of that stuff there though, too, is people posting other links and things like that. And I'll click the links read through. But yeah, I wish I had a Bloomberg terminal, but I don't. I guess the one question I have based on what you just said is you don't have to do this, right? Like I feel like in a sense, this kind of maybe happened by accident and it's exciting, but at this point, what do you love about the markets? What excites you? Is it the, especially in this context and backdrop, the unpredictability? I mean, we look at it every day and think, why is it up today? Why is it down today? What sort of is exciting you right now about them? I think you hit it right right on the head there. I think just the uncertainty of it kind of keeps people coming back every day. It's like you wake up, you never know what it's going to do today, especially now. It's, you know, we're looking at three to four percent swings in the indices every day. It's unheard of. You know, I still get some some new investors that that are friends of mine that will ask. They'll still message me and they'll be like, hey, why was the market up today? And I'm, I'm like, what, what what am I like this? This uh, headline generator? Like, I, I don't know. You know, like even today, somebody asked me and they said, why was it up today? I was like, I don't know, maybe because. Bernie Sanders dropped out. I don't know. It could have been, but we don't know. But I think that's that's what's intriguing about the market is like, you know, even if you had yet the tomorrow's news today, like, could you still predict where the market was going to go? Not always. Uh, probably not. And so I think that's, to me, that's exciting. And and again, it kind of scratches that that itch I have for investing and gambling and, and, and seeing a potential future of like, you know, opportunity. And, and like right now, you know, even the last few weeks, there's just, there's been so many stocks that are just going to almost zero. And you're like, well, you were just like for Penn is Penn is a great example too. It was at almost 40 and then dropped like $3. It's just, you know, you kind of take a gamble and say, well, even if I threw a couple thousand at it, maybe it'll, you know, and then it, of course it'll triple. And then I had people that were buying it at 25 and after they learned about the bar stool purchase and i was like you're such a retail trader like this thing has been <laughs> this thing has been announced for months and then i had to send it to him you know like all the background that the talks were happening but i don't know yeah it's just i think there's just there's just so much opportunity every single day there's opportunity in something where you can you know potentially make a small fortune i think as someone who bought Tilray at 70 dollars and is now still sitting on it at eight or seven <laughs> i haven't even checked <laughs> I might epitomize some of the people you're probably talking to. Irrespective. That is that is a scoop. We might have to cut that out of the podcast just given <laughs> how embarrassing it is. But this is kind of a pivot, but it might not be a, a pivot. We're we're all obsessed over at the block with the Ghana funeral memes. Um <laughs> it is just so perfect, right? I mean, and it is a great distraction from talked about at the beginning, the grim reality of what is this financial and health crisis, but is this not the best meme you've ever come across? I mean, I, I can look at one of them seven times in a row and I just still crack up as I would as if I saw for the first time. Yeah. I actually had, I was almost posted. I was going to post one today because I haven't really posted one yet. I retweeted somebody's today. Yeah. But there was another one. And now since we're talking about it, I'm going to have to post it now because somebody sent it to me in a DM and I was like, oh my God, it's uh, it's probably already out there, but it's a, it's a, like a Joe Biden one. And then it kind of, it's like a clip of him. And then essentially it, it breaks to the, to the guys holding the, 
the casket and the, you know, the music's playing <laughs> and then they have a, a Bernie Sanders sticker on the casket and then it breaks back to Biden and he's like in a Corvette or something smiling and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm definitely gonna have to tweet that now that somebody sent it to me and then he brought it up. So, well that, and that's interesting too, because so much of, I feel like recently you have to sort of um, straddle the fence on, am I coming off too political for a finance card? Because I think of this too, like I'll, I'll talk to um, one of our researchers who's kind of my meme consigliere. Yes, I do not. Unlike ramp, I have to run things by people and they'll say, well, that's too political. And especially in this hyper-political environment we find ourselves in, what is too political for finance Twitter in this day and age? You, you can tell, you can pretty much tell how people are leaning on the political spectrum by their tweets. It's, it's, it's so obvious. I mean, you either, you don't have to love Trump, but it, but if you're on the opposite side, you like, you hate him. Like there's a vitriol there and I'm not even going to name accounts, but I know a ton of people that just absolutely despise him and that's fine. Um, and then I take the opposite side of that where it's more just about capitalism and, um, which is under fire right now, but people, I mean, people would think that I'm just based on the tweets that I do and towards him that I would be, a, essentially they would think I would be a, a conservative or Republican. And I would say I'm more independent or moderate, but it doesn't come off that way. But that's kind of just like the wall street play on it, I guess. But I, I just, I, I, I don't, I lean either way. I don't care to me. It's just, I'm just trying to, sometimes I just try to start shit. To be honest, I'm just shit posting, and also I'm just trying to get Trump to retweet me just once. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it probably comes off to you. everyone's just because, like, like, like if the market would go up, this was before we crashed, but like when the market would go up, I'd I'd sit there and tweet at him and be like, "Thank you so much!" Like, oh my god! Like, and then I just do it like on his tweets whenever he talk about the market or something. I'd reply to it like all those other bots do. I reply to it, and then and then the people that don't follow me and don't understand my account. They, it, they, I mean, they'd be the best comment section ever. It's just people are so just, you just read it and you're like, have to laugh. It just, they don't understand it, you know? So like, oh my God, like, how can you, he has nothing to do with the stock market. It's not him that's doing I was like, okay, yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of those people are so, they're not representative of what the sentiment is, right? People, real people can tell what irony is, but I guess that kind of speaks to something that's a little tangential, which is does Twitter sentiment align with what the market sentiment is? When we think about whether folks are bullish or bearish on Twitter, is that what we're seeing in the market? I mean, we have the folks at the block. Some Sometimes uh, they may not be tweeting, but they certainly feel a certain way about a certain um, market direction. And that's not indicated on Twitter. Is there a connection there? Are the bears on Twitter translating into the market dynamics in the S and P, or not necessarily? Uh, I think. I mean, I think so. I think if you collect that data correctly, definitely. And I, I try to do this. Actually, I know it's it can be kind of it's debatable, and because uh, I haven't sat there and actually tracked it. But one of the things I do a lot, obviously, is I run polls, and a lot of times I'll do it on. Uh, either specific stocks, like if it's a hot stock, like Tesla would be one and say it's at $750 a share. I'd, I'd go, okay, here's a poll. Like Tesla's currently at 750. What's it going to hit first, 1,000 or 500? 
And then, you know, like sometimes I'll, I'll run these polls and it'll just be, you know, 90 to 10 and I'll get 10,000 votes, which I think anything honestly over like 2000 is probably significant, statistically significant, I would think. But the most important one that I ran recently was the day after we bought them so far a couple of weeks ago, I'd put out a poll that next day and I'd said was yesterday the bottom. And I think it was like 80 something percent said, no, it was not the bottom. And then now we're up to, and from, from that we're up 20 something percent now from that. So I think, I think, and again, it's not like, I'm not sitting there like, okay, time to rotate a hundred percent of my, you know, cash into <laughs> SPXL or whatever. Like it, People can try to do that, and people try to do that too. Because when I was tracking WeRamp, it was similar. At the very beginning, the fourth place poll was outperforming. I called it "We Suck," and essentially, it was like <laughs> we we're we were calling it the Costanza portfolio, which is like if you just do the opposite, you'll do better, you know. And it, for a while, it was playing out there. I haven't checked it in a while because I'm more just focused about mine now. But it was interesting because my followers, I feel like it's a good mixture. It's you got. You got CPAs and and you got financial advisors and retail traders and it's like it's a pretty good mix of people and, and really smart people too. And I think I don't know, sometimes it's like you fade the herd and, and there are a lot of times I'll just kinda look at I'll look back at it and I'll try to put little notes to say, Hey, take a look back at this and actually that's one of my ideas that I feel like somebody needs to capitalize on is like when I run those polls is to be able to somehow ping me on a tweet you know have you ever seen like the remind me tweet that handle so it would be something like that except do it for a specific stock price so it's like if i kind of been doing it through trading view because they have a kind of an alert feature but it would be like if i could do it on twitter it'd be perfect where it's just like i run these two things and if if i say okay when tesla's at 500 which one's it going to hit first a thousand or 500 i want i want Twitter to send me an alert whenever it actually hits one of the two and say, here's that tweet that you talked about, like retweet it or talk about it again and, and show everybody who was wrong. I think that'd be a kind of a cool idea. Ramp, you mentioned, you mentioned the bottom for now. Thoughts on us retesting that? Uh, I don't know. There's going to be some wild data coming out in the next three to six months. Wild. If you're a listener of The Scoop or follow The Block, then you know I am super excited about the future of crypto adoption, especially on the enterprise side. Our sponsor, Blockset, is not only helping to push development at the grassroots level with their multi-chain API, but also at the institutional level. Blockset is built by BRD, the first crypto wallet in the App Store from 2014, and one of the largest in the space today. They've taken the architecture and the knowledge they've gained over the past six years to create Blockset, a robust, reliable, and strategic B2B offering for developers and enterprises. Blockset is enabling banks and other major financial institutions to interface and build with crypto assets at light speed. See just how simple it is by visiting Blockset.com and sign up for a free account today. At the end of the day, you have Trump doing probably everything he wants to to keep his ego intact, to to keep this economy alive. You have the Fed doing unprecedented things. At the end of the day, you know, this virus will recover. And if we see a V recovery in light of that, does it make sense to sort of be super bearish right now? Yeah, I mean, that's you know, the, the shape of the recovery is everyone, what everyone's talking about at this point. And I, to me, it doesn't really matter because 
I think you all you just have to put it in perspective, like your retirement date, if that's what you're going for. I've seen a lot of posts. And there's a lot of good information out there. People are talking about. I think I think the hardest part right now is for the retirees that are the boomers that are going to retire. You know, whatever it is, ten thousand a day for the next twenty years, or we're planning on it. Now they're probably not. I know um, my parents are kind of in that boat right now. Whenever I get the the stock text from dad or mom right now, they're kind of my sentiment. Well, that's a question that people asked you was, do those texts, do they, how much do they impact either helped or impeded your uh, trading decisions? Not my trading, but my, um, my inheritance. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I just want to go on record and say that those are all a hundred percent real. I've never edited one of those things as a fake you know, like I can basically do anything with Photoshop now. Those are all real. I know a lot of people are like this. There's no way this is real. No, it's it's all real. That's what's perfect about it is I, I don't have to do anything. I just literally screenshot it. I just want to go on record to say that all of the screenshots out there about me are 100% fake. <laughs> 100%. I think, um, you know, you have to put it in perspective what your retirement date is. If you're if you're not going to retire or you're not planning on retiring for another 20 or 30 or years, I mean... You should be putting money to work if you have savings, and that's the other pro. That's 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 part of the problem, though, right? Is people don't have savings. They don't have this nest. They don't have this six months that your every you know CFP wants you to have of emergency savings. Like no one has that, and that's part of the problem too. Is you know people are saying put money to work, but then also people aren't working either, or a lot of people are losing their jobs. So it's kind of this really weird dynamic right now. I definitely feel lucky and privileged to have a job still or one that I can work remotely. And I know a lot of us are moving towards that work from home. And this is, I think this is also a good test of, I know it's again with the kids situation, it's hard for a lot of people, but I think it's also a good test for a lot of companies just to kind of see what would happen if, you know, we get into this scenario and can we do something or we're going to have to furlough people or lay off people, things like that. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's interesting. In terms of the impounds you're getting, whether they're from your father or your third cousin or your college roommate, is crypto creeping back into the picture? I feel like a lot of us at the block we are hearkening back to the twenty seventeen boom days. I literally got a text yesterday of someone who said, Frank, I bought Ether, are you proud of me? <laughs> are you seeing are you seeing more of that come to fruition? It's a good question. I I don't know. I I think the past month or so really threw a lot of people off. I think a lot of people thought when this virus hit that crypto was going to go up and it tanked with the market. Everyone was just like, uh, I didn't expect that to happen. And I, I mean, I had a friend who I used to work with that ended up, he started a, a crypto hedge fund this year. And I'm kind of scared to reach out to him. He might be listening to this um, later, but he might have those uh, gone in uh, funeral yeah. pallbearers yeah. behind him. So that's what you got to send that to him, Ram. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the timing of it. I was like, man, that's like impeccable timing. But again, you would have thought that everyone's looking for these alternate asset classes that can outperform during some kind of thing like this. Where I just saw, I just saw another thing today where uh, Nassim Taleb. Uh, did you guys read about that today? His uh, there was an article about it today where he had a um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. He returned like thirty six. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thirty six hundred percent on it in March or something crazy. Yeah, Universa Tail Fund. 
So, you know, people, March. people are looking for things like that from crypto whenever these type of things happen, in my opinion, because they're, you know, they're always like, screw the Fed, decentralize this. And I just think it threw a lot of people off in the last month, whenever Bitcoin went from seven or 8,000 to 3,000 in a few weeks or whatever it was. And, then, you know, it's bounced back, obviously, but still. So, it happened in a night. <laughs> it dropped right. 50%. It was just this flash crash. Yeah. And so... I ended up, again, friends were like, yeah, I bought this stock in Disney. And then, oh, yeah, I bought some Bitcoin, too. I was like, wait, what? And then I look at it. You know, it's down 40% or whatever. I was like, holy shit. I don't know. It's strange. It, it, it made you wonder if people were, for a while there, was were people selling crypto to rotate back into the market? I don't know. Or gold or who knows. Well, gold is definitely, I, I, I feel like the gold bugs are definitely seeing a resurgence. When it comes to you, though, like, is crypto just part of, you know, the sense I get from you is you love the markets, but you're not necessarily, you don't have a pony in the race, so to speak. But when it comes to crypto, like, is there a degree of interest or favoritism? Like, is it all for the meme or do you actually think there's something to this whole Bitcoin thing? Uh, I'd say I'm agnostic about it. So I, I, I feel like I probably come so off. So am as like I. A, so am I. So am I. Yeah, I'd say I probably come off as like a hater on it because I I like to shit post a lot about it because I kind of like to like make it almost bipartisan where it's you got stock guys and you got crypto nerds and like that we're separate and we can never be friends. So I kind of like to play it like that. I'll give like Bully and and Niraj a couple of those those guys. I'll give them shit a lot. It's all it's all in fun, you know. Yeah, I don't. Crypto is just. Like I said, I'm I'm agnostic with it. I'm not sitting. I have some in it, but I don't. It's not a very large portion of my portfolio, and it probably doesn't need to be for a lot of people too. I think some people will just put it strictly in that and say, you know, f the government. This is what I'm doing, or f stocks. I mean, that's not for me. But I just it's one of those things too where it's. I feel like if you weren't in it from the very beginning, like sure you can go learn about it, but like I'll hear some really stupid shit, and I don't even know as much as a lot of my friends know about it, but. I just hear some really dumb shit from some other people that are just. What's some of the that, dumbest shit you've heard? I think I like blocked it out of my brain because it was so stupid. I just had like a small seizure and just. <laughs> it was just. Pretty much why Frank and I cover the space. It's so entertaining. It, it is. It is very entertaining. I just. Sometimes it. Because it, it's like whenever you look at like stocks, right? And this is one of my like old jokes with crypto is like whenever you look at stocks, you can at least you can put an earnings multiple on it or you can look at a balance sheet and things like that. And I always like, okay, when's Bitcoin's earnings? You know, I'll do one of those things. And then obviously it doesn't really relate because it would be more of like a, a currency versus an actual company. But that, I, that always like helps me to just, this is part of the reason why I'm more in this in stocks is just like, there's always kind of this backstop of a financial, you know, data, I guess that from each company where it's like, well, at least I have this, you know, the book value of this company is this versus there really is nothing with crypto. It's kind of, I don't know. So that's why, part of the reason why I only put a small amount in it. But what do you think of, I feel like a lot of the crypto Twitter people are having a Renaissance re the fed Berber Burr meme. <laughs> you have a sense of what people get frustrated about. What do you think people are most frustrated about when you think of the Berber Burr meme? I think, I think with the fed, it just, I think people get pissed off because they want a, you know, a quote unquote free market. 
And with the Fed always intervening, it was like even since the 2008, 2009, they were kind of propping up the market because of the actions that they were taking. And that's where it's, you know, again, it goes back to the don't fight the Fed thing where it's at some point, is that going to, is that going to play out? Because like, if, if you go back to where they just announced a couple weeks ago, the market went limit down and then down 10%, 15% more since they announced that, right? And so then everyone's like, oh, the Fed's out of ammo. Well, I don't know, we're back now. So maybe now like it, it switches back or now we're okay. Now it's don't fight the Fed again. Maybe that's why we keep going higher again. I don't know. I just, it. There's so many Fed, quote unquote, experts on Twitter that it's just, I don't even try. I'll, I'll make jokes about it, but I have no idea what the hell the Fed's doing. What's your favorite joke? I don't know. I used to always put like, uh, I always used to make jokes about during the FOMC meeting minutes, what they were eating for lunch. That was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, like I said, nobody. that's the thing is like nobody knows about this stuff. Like nobody's a Fed I mean, the, the person that probably knows the most about the Fed is probably Steve Leesman. Your post on your quarantine house, which house would you pick? Uh, two. It was two. It was O'Shaughnessy. Uh, who, uh, let me see if I can think about it without even, because I just created it two nights ago. So O'Shaughnessy, Martin Shkreli, uh, Martha, Martha Stewart, Joe Exotic, of course. I had six <laughs> in there, right? Who was the other? Oh, um, Chanos and Yates. J- yep, 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 yep. That's so, a power group for sure. It, it was. I. It was funny. That that was a good post. That had a lot of. Uh, that had a lot of good feedback. But then there was a little. I, like this is again one of those scenarios where it's like I didn't come up with this. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, you're a trendsetter." I'm like, "No, I'm not." Like somebody was doing this on bitches or betches, whatever the hell it was. On it's bitches. Bitches. Okay. So how you say? It? <laughs> uh, you know, it's like yeah. That's how, I mean, that's how I create a lot of my memes is like, I can look at something and just all I'm trying to do is turn that thing into something finance related. Right. And so I was like, oh my God, I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, God, this is going to be perfect. If we can just create something here. I could, I will say I could have threw a couple more women in there. I know some, some women that are followers were upset that I only put one per house. You know, it's one of those things I was, I, I, I felt bad because I didn't know as many, um, women in finance that I, sh- I probably should have. So I, I'm thinking about creating a five to one girl to guy ratio. You threw Catherine Wood a bone. That being said, what do you think of a Tesla ramp? It's wild. It is wild. Um, man, that's like the best. It's just one of those stocks that to me, it's just an avoid. It's definitely not a short and that's going to piss the Tesla Q crowd off, but it's one of those stocks where it's like, you don't know if it's going to triple or literally go bankrupt in two months. It's like, <laughs> you know, the, the people, the people on the cash burn team, like they're sitting there. I think again, a lot of this came from zero hedge pumping. Like every time they would report earnings or something, they'd be like, yeah, here's your cash flow," And they do the same thing to Netflix. Right. So they would always put out that chart where it's just like negative 4 billion in cash flow or free cash flow, And you'd see that, on its own and you'd be like, Oh man, I need to short this company or how can you buy this? And then, you know, last year, I mean, it hit 200 something and, and was at whatever five or six year lows. Right. And then just skyrockets. It's just, man. I mean, I would, if I was going to, I don't know, what is it even at? I haven't even been following it lately. It's at like oh, 500 or so. It's like yeah, it's more 500s. I sold it after I got up to seven. It's above 420 funding secured. That's all I know. Despite Mike just- Judas making fun of me for buying it at 500, I made, quite a bit of money for the poor SOB that I am. 
I'll say I think I like the idea. I like the ideas more than I just. I mean, Elon's a psychopath. He is. He's a psychopath. Straight up. And again, it's it's like he's running a business like I'm running this Twitter account. Just off the fucking fly, like do whatever you want. It seems like at least like, Hey, here's a cyber truck. Let me throw a metal ball at the window. And I mean, it was viral, but it was just like, Holy shit. Like this guy is. Yeah. But what about the batteries? You're not paying attention to the bat. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, so the battery side, that's that all this other stuff is just, it's like, it's basically just a bunch of moonshots. Right. So if one of these or a couple of these end up working out and the actual, the numbers work out on it, the, uh, actually making money on some of these things and yeah it's a great investment i think it could be honestly i should probably throw some money at it long just and just never touch it speaking of Catherine wood what about the seven thousand dollar price target what, what do you think about that what what is it even what's what the market cap at that point <laughs> i have no idea that's the question because if it's a like if it's over a, a trillion i'm gonna say no hell no which it probably is yeah it has to Can be we I mean, do what, the whenever it was on a, that yeah i could probably I'm gonna pull up my handy dandy Y charts here. How many how many shares are outstanding? Alright, so it's a hundred billion dollar market cap right now at five hundred and forty-seven. So what did you say it was? Seven thousand? Yeah, seven thousand price target from ARK Invest. Yeah, so that ends up being a one point two three trillion dollar company. <laughs> so a lot of things happen have to happen right for for that to work out. But I mean, one of my thoughts with the, not the batteries. I mean, obviously that's a big thing. I think that could be a huge thing, especially like looking at the engineering side of it, but the cars, it's like, are you not going to have the Rivians and the Fords and the Toyotas and everyone else of the world start creating these? Like, that's why I don't understand is a Tesla is competitions in a vacuum. Yeah. Right. And that's why I, I don't know. That's that was my always my biggest thing against. It. I was like, well, isn't somebody always like the moat is just not there. You can have a competitor hop in easily. Plus, their um, production chain was nothing compared to like Ford and Toyota. You know, I think that they were trying to figure that shit out on the fly. Is what it well, at least what I read. And so I just don't think you can do that. That's what I'm saying. I think he Elon is like a he's a visionary, but at the same time, he's kind of a psycho. When you look across the Twitter landscape. There's so many people who, you know, it's hard to decipher whether they're a visionary or a psycho, but who are your most follows or the folks that you really want to check in on all the time, who you find interesting? Um, yeah. If you could follow only five accounts, yeah, who would they who, be? Who, who would they oh, be? And it's going to put me on the spot. I think O'Shaughnessy. Uh, I'll do Jim. I had a chance to, to talk with Patrick as much, but, uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy is one of my bigger fans. Literally looking yeah. at the tweets at my um, announcement that I was doing this podcast tonight and someone or the tweet that I just came across was ask him why he hasn't become a Chipotle influencer yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's as bullshit, man. I, I wrote a post about this last year because I, I thought it'd be funny. Um, but I actually emailed them. I actually emailed, put the long email together. <laughs> took 10 of my top tweets with you know based on the the twitter analytics and and it had like a million a million plus engagements on it or impressions on it on 10 tweets which i thought it was pretty good kind of pitched that as hey like we should do something like there's there's a gap here like you guys don't follow anybody in finance like you're all all you guys do is it, it's kind of weird because all they do, it feels like all they do is support celebrities you know mm-hmm. which 
clearly it's like, okay, that's pretty much every uh, influencer marketer is they're trying to go for the big fish. Right. But there's obviously something that needs to be said for micro influencers and people that have way less followers, anywhere from five to 15,000, because those people come off way more authentic than these Kylie Jenner's of the world, you know, and the, the, the Dobricks and whoever else. But what I wanted, like part of all the stuff that I tried to do with like my, my influencer stuff, which I hate that word. Um, but what I try to do with all this stuff is, you know, I, I, I actually listen to like a lot of pitches from people that have products that have whatever. I, I mean, honestly, I turned down a lot of stuff because I don't want it to come off and be the next bit connect or something like that. You know, that's, that's <laughs> one of my concerns. I'm in a spot, you know, again, luckily I'm privileged um, as far as just like where I'm at in my life. Like I don't need a lot of things, honestly. I just, you know, it comes off that way sometimes on my account, but I'm just, it's all a ruse. Like I don't, I don't need a lot of things. Honestly, I don't hardly ever shop for anything. I'm like that old dad that just fucking wears the same like new balance shoes, like the grass mowing <laughs> shoes the entire time. But it's cool to like, I'm trying to do like the opposite side where it's like, people are always trying to retire early and all that shit from this, this influencer stuff. I'm like, I don't care. Just if you're going to give me stuff, like I'll give it to other people. I mean, that kind of raises a sad and um, existential question of how long will we get to have ramp around, right? What is the exit strategy? It's kind of a weird way to end the podcast on. Um, We've been less than respectful of your time, but, when do you hang up the jersey and how do you hang up the jersey? I guess whenever somebody buys my account for a couple of million so <laughs> right off into the, the sunset. Yeah, it might be, it might be the block. It could be good for us. Hey, I don't know. I, I honestly, like I've, I've given access to other people too. And then they just can't replicate the same voice and stuff. They try, but I don't know. I don't even see. There's other, there's the other side of it where people are like, when are you going to, are you going to do this full time? I was like, no, like, why would I do that? That's crazy. Like, I'm not freaking, I'm not some influencer. Like that's so stressful, you know, to do that shit. It's like, I just do this for fun. Like that's what I think that's honestly part of the reason why I have a decent following is because I just do it for fun and it's, you know, or mostly for fun. Obviously some of my time is, is, is spent doing a lot of this data crunching and stuff, but yeah, I don't really have an exit strategy per se. I just, rolling with the punches and, and seeing where it goes. I'm more honestly, like I said, I think the biggest benefit of this entire thing for me has just been the connections that I've made. And that honestly, that's Twitter in a nutshell. I don't know if you guys have experienced that the way I have. I mean, even just, I've, I've, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not in the New York area or tri-state area, but I went to New York a couple of times last year specifically for business reasons and met up with, some pretty high profile people and it's just like crazy. It's like one of those like moments where you see on a movie or something where, you know, they're, I caught myself a couple of times, even in New York is like, it's just so crazy that I'm here right now because I've made some like joke meme account one day randomly after reading a post online. And then all of a sudden, like I'm in here doing a podcast and listening to freaking pitches, you know, like it's just crazy, you know? Honestly, I just I think that's the biggest benefit of my account so far has just been the connections and, and honestly the friends that I've made throughout this journey. And even here, like doing this right now, it's just like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like I wouldn't have been doing like what else would I have been doing if I would have never created this account? You know, I'd be probably watching 
you know, Ozark season three, which I need to start here soon, but. <laughs> or um, who wants to be a millionaire? I oh, shit. Yes. God damn it. It's already 20 you minutes. Need to- already <laughs> well, on that note, we will let you go find out whether or not that's playing today. And we appreciate you for your time. I appreciate you having me on. It was really fun. The Ramp Capital for so much fun, so much insight into the meme account that keeps us all sane during these trying times stuck inside. Thanks so much for joining us on The Scoop. We hope to have you on soon. And hopefully, hopefully, we all uh, make some money on our respective trades. This podcast is about pushing awareness and inspiring growth in the crypto industry. I can't reiterate enough that if you're a business owner, executive, or active developer in the space, I highly suggest checking out Blockset. Blockset provides a robust, unified API that provides easy access to multi-chain data. Skip the tedious data normalization process and start building immediately at a fraction of the cost. It's live now and it's on their site for you to explore Go sign up for a free account at blockset.com and start building today. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.